Welcome to Day 145 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with uh, David Keefe and Matt Kresge. We are continuing an amazing journey through the Book of Romans. This is Paul's uh, magnum opus. This is uh, one letter where he's not really responding, you know, to problems that are taking place in the church. He does later on, you know, deal with divisions, you know, between Jew and Gentile. But he really lays out the gospel he's preaching and sets a foundation for the gospel he's preaching. So he starts in chapter one by, you know, proclaiming that there is no reason to be ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And you just have to love those phrases. It's the power of God that rescues everyone who puts their you know, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in chapters you know, one and two, he's kind of painted a very bleak picture of our fallen condition. First of all, he paints a bleak picture of the fallen condition of the world around us and all of its you know, chasing after lust and denying God and exchanging the glory of God you know, for things that you can manufacture with your hands, misplaced affections, misplaced desires, and how dark and how futile that is and how ugly it can even become. And so he paints a very dark picture. But then in chapter 2, he makes a turn and he said, those of you who are very religious and those of you who are very moral, you're not in any better shape because you too are as far from the heart of God as you could possibly be. So we all mm. need grace. And so chapter 3 is the most wonderful chapter where it talks about, and he made Christ an atoning sacrifice you know, for our sin, uh, proving himself to be a just God, punishing sin, but redeeming and rescuing sinners. And now he just goes a little bit more in the next few chapters into what it means to be justified by faith in Christ. And he takes us to the Old Testament to say this is not a new concept. Those who were counted right in God's sight were counted right not because of their moral superiority or their ability to keep the law, but because they trusted fully in, in the Christ or in the God who made promises. Mm. And so we come to chapter 4 where we go way back to the beginning of the nation of Israel in the person of Abraham. As always, as we come you know, to his word, we prepare ourselves to read his word by acknowledging his presence and our need for him. So, David, do you mind leading us in prayer? No, let's pray. Time. And, Father, now as we do turn to you, your word, uh, we do ask you would help us to see um, wonderful truths in it. Um, we thank you so much for your word and how from beginning to end it speaks uh, of your wonderful plan to, to save and, and to redeem uh, a people to yourself. And so we ask this morning or this evening, whenever we're listening, that as we now look at Romans 4, we, we would see how you've been at work, even in the Old Testament, um, to, to call a people to yourself by faith and to credit righteousness to them. And so, Father, we love your plan of salvation. Help us to marvel in it today. We pray this all in your great and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. 
Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but also those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things into being that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. That he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over death for our sins, and he was raised to life for our justification. Wonderfully rich passage. As you read through this passage, what are some of the things that uh, uh, really stand out as a Paul begins to describe the gospel and what it means to be justified by faith. I mean, I think we always kind of have that kind of conception, at least I did when I was, you know, younger in the faith and, and just going to church and, and hearing lessons that this whole idea of faith was kind of a, a New Testament concept, right? And that those guys in the Old Testament, like, you know, they had to follow the law, but then we obviously encounter Abraham here who's living way before the law. And so it was always a little bit confusing to me. And so this passage has always been one of those very clarifying oh, passages no, for me to know passage. how God has always operated with yeah. his people. Yeah. I mean, it begins with Abraham leaving everything that's familiar uh, to him and uh, God inviting him to go to a land that I will show you. So he has no idea, you know, where he's even going. And then he's promised a son and uh, that becomes the you know, most distant promise to him. It just seems like it's always out of reach and they're always in a, always kind of waiting for it to happen, trying to make it to happen, and just on their edge of the seat waiting for this promise. But he, he trusted about like the way Paul says it. Even when he, his body was as good as dead. Yeah. And so was Sarah's womb. Yeah, so was Sarah's womb. You know, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So we have God's promise, and we have the confidence that God will fill his promise. And, of course, his promise to us is in Christ Jesus, and we have promise that he has indeed done what he has said he has done. 
when we embrace Christ by faith. Yeah. You have the love to verse 23 where it says, the words that was credited to him were, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe mm-hmm. in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. And it makes me think of, um, you've been going through Hebrews where mm-hmm. the author of Hebrews also says that when God spoke you know, the oath to Abraham, you know, all those years ago, it wasn't just for Abraham's sake, but it was also for the sake of us. And, and just being reminded, you know, even what you're talking about, this kind of Old Testament model, you know, the Old Testament isn't something that Christians should just kind of consult in right. as background history. Like when we read the Old Testament and we read the story of Abraham, we're being reminded, you know, of the gospel that we have received. We're being reminded of these promises that, that they are meant to, to build us up and to encourage us so that the words it was credited to him. Is good news for us. Yeah, Paul does a wonderful job by saying, you know, when something is credited to you, that's not something you've earned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your wages are an obligation. And of course, you know, he'll, um, he'll go on to say in a couple of chapters, the wages of our sin is, is, is death. That's that's the only thing that we're, you know, obligated to is the death that comes through our sin. But the righteousness accredited to us is an alien righteousness to us. In other words, it's not our own righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ uh, that is you know, imputed to us or through union in Christ we receive you know, his, his righteousness. And, of course, our sins are placed on him. And it's what a wonderful transaction mm-hmm. you know, that takes place through the gospel. And even highlights, you know, in verses, you know, thirteen through through fifteen, roughly the idea of whether we thought righteousness could be achieved, you know, through the law, which we spoke about earlier, but you know, five hundred years or so before the Mosaic law. Here's Abraham, and what's he going to do to to earn this righteousness? Um, he he believes in the promises. Believes of God. the promises of God and yeah. and acts on them. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and of course, it'd be hard to. Hebrew framework to say you believe something that you didn't you you didn't act on. That's kind of something we've done where we separate the two. Belief is something that happens in the head, and then you may or may not act on it. But he yeah. believed and he acted. He he uprooted. He trusted God. Yeah. And, uh, and man, that speaks a lot to even our own Christian experience, right? As we read this, like the Christian, the Christian life, you know, our salvation isn't dependent upon what we do, but our belief always leads. You know, to to action, and, and and I think even when we kind of survey the covenants yeah. that God makes with Abraham, you know, we see so many un- unconditional covenants where God says, "I'm going to do this," but then we also see God say, "You must uphold the covenant. You, you must walk in faithful." And, and so the question then, and really what Paul's doing here is saying, "So what justifies Abraham? It's not his obedience; it's his faith, and his faith leads to obedience, and all of this is, is credited." Yeah, well said, Matt. Yeah, I love I love this phrase. You know that uh, we find in the uh, last part of verse 17, where it describes God as the God who gives life to the dead. <coughs> Excuse me, right in the middle of a really great line. Oh man! Um, <laughs> where it describes God as God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what He has done with us. It's not just that He, you know, gave life to Sarah's womb so that they could have. I, he's given life to you and I. And he's called you know into being something that was not. He's called us righteous when we were not. Yeah. And uh, it's because of his declaration of righteousness that we have standing, you know, before God. And I love how you even see that a little bit in, in the start of chapter four when he you know goes to David, King David, who you know obviously the 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 best ruler Israel's ever seen, the man who killed the giant. You know, we have this man after God's own heart, but we also know him to be, you know, a murderer and an adulterer. 
And it's even in that that we see that David is, is not righteous. Yeah. But God does call him, even though he is not righteous. And we see even that he's experienced the blessedness that comes from your transgressions being forgiven, your sins being covered, and he's he's see the blessedness of 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 God crediting him righteousness apart from works because we even see in David's works he he couldn't have had that given to himself. No, you know some of David's earlier psalms he would say, "Deal with me according to my yeah. righteousness." And, and of course, after the cataclysmic experience, you know, with you know Bathsheba and Uriah, uh, he realized the depth of his sin. When you look at that, and of course Nathan tells him a parable about a small sheep, and he's enraged because he's a shepherd and he's always had love for the sheep, and then he realizes how abusive he's been as a ruler of his privilege and what he's done to a good friend and what he has done, you know, to you know this you know to this, this woman, you know as well, and uh, you, you see a different tenor here. You know, there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not enough sacrifices. You know that I can make. Uh, there, you know, there's not enough blood of rams or of bulls. You know to cover that. How blessed it is just to know that we have a God who is gracious and compassionate and forgives sins. And how blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. The one whose sin, the Lord will never count against him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how can that be? Verse twenty-five. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Yeah. because of what Christ has yeah. accomplished on our behalf. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, that the, the word justification means to declare yeah. righteous. Mm-hmm. He was raised to life so that we could deliver it over to death for our sins. Our sins were taken care of. He was raised to life to declare us righteous. We've been pronounced mm-hmm. in right standing with God through him. It's a righteousness, yeah. not our own. You have to love to, you know, Abraham being the model in verse 20 and 21 where it says yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised yeah you know, he, he, yeah Abraham had these incredible promises from God but he it was grounded in also not in just what God had said which was enough but in the character of who God was too that you know I can promise my kids things and Katie things and you guys things that I'm just not capable of fulfilling and yet when God makes a promise... And David, now we're going to talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, we can do it on the podcast. Just, just a little <laughs> yeah. bit. But, uh, but, but God is is more than capable to fulfill everything that he promises. Yeah. And so when he promises to bring about our salvation, he will accomplish it. Yeah, and, and I like that statement. He did not waver through unbelief. We, we know on three occasions he wavered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He seemed to waver. Know, he <laughs> wavered, you know, in uh, trusting God to protect Sarah on two, yeah. you know, to protect him on two different occasions and compromised Sarah. And then on another occasion, uh, he wavered in unbelief and decided to have a child through a surrogate rather than trusting God, mm-hmm. you know, to give him, you know, to give him a child. And, and so, but in the end, his trajectory, just like David's trajectory was back toward God. And, and there's some encouragement for us because we do sometimes, we have good moments and bad moments. We fall on our face and, uh, you know, and sometimes some moments we're very trusting, and some moments we're very doubting. But you know, this is what this is what the gospel calls for: trusting God to fulfill His promises and being steadfast in our confidence with Him. Mm-hmm. Will, will we fail? Abraham did, and yet he's credited with righteousness. We will. We're credited with righteousness. David did. He's he's credited with righteousness. God's grace is absolutely powerful in our lives. 
Matt, why don't you close this word of prayer? Father, we thank you for your son who was delivered over for our sins and, and raised to life for our justification. Thank you for the salvation that you have accomplished on our behalf. Thank you that you have credited to us as righteousness. And Father, thank you for the very faith you have given us to believe in this message. We, um, along with with the biblical writers, are reminded and, and declare that, that um, all, all the grace we received is yours, and, and we thank you for the grace we do have in Christ Jesus. Thank you for this time um, together in your word. Thank you that you continue to use it to transform us, to, to, like Abraham, give us an unwavering confidence in your promises. And so, Father, continue to redirect our hearts back to you. Continue to, to remind us of our salvation and our hope um, that we have in you. Um, God, and where we live as your people in this place. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.